This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Send me Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here, and welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. And this is our second week with Greg Reed. And if you missed the first show, Greg Reed is a minister and former private investigator. He has trained over 250 criminal justice classes on occult crimes and crimes against children. He is a survivor of ritual and sexual abuse and has written over 12 books. He has an honorary degree in divinity from Logos Graduate School and directs Youth Fire Ministries. And he spends time equipping and helping believers to know how to to fight and be overcomers in this war of the ages that we're fighting these days. So, Greg, welcome back. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. So, we're going to talk about equipping our listeners for the spiritual battle. But first, I want to ask you: We talk a lot about pornography on this show, and and um, Greg, can you speak to the demonic influence on the product? Not only the product of pornography, but also how it affects those who are using it and what access it might be giving them to the demonic world? Yeah, that's a very, uh, very deep, deep subject in a lot of ways, because pornography is, of course, one, I think it is the disabling of a whole generation of men, and I know you know this, that he knows that if he can, if he can, if he can uh, saddle uh, particularly Christian men with this, He's crippling them, and I heard somebody talking about this and say, let's get beyond the guilt thing, let's get beyond the sin aspect of that, and realize that besides those aspects you have to deal with, it is crippling a generation of potential warriors against the darkness. And so I see that the demonic component uh, and why the enemy has pushed pornography so much is because it really does cripple people with guilt and condemnation until they can find freedom in Christ. And so the enemy's always playing the long game. And the long game for him is pornography was an effective tool to cripple the church in a lot of ways. And uh, actually, I remember David Wilkerson, the same one that wrote The Cross and Switchblade, he, God gave him a, a long vision back in 1972, I think it was. And one of the things he said, and I'll never forget, he said, I see that there's a coming baptism of filth that's going to go over the whole world, according to the book of Nahum. There's a scripture about having a, a baptism of filth on the world. And he says that something's coming in the area of pornography that we can't even dream of that's going to be so horrific. Well, and then came the Internet. Now we know exactly what that means. It has opened up an arena where for formerly, you know, any kid growing up in the 50s would have to steal pornography or whatever, uh, and 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 now it was like this uh, dreamland of pornography 
for a whole generation to indulge in whatever they want, not knowing that every time that they they touched on that, they were touching on a bondage from Satan that could keep them shackled potentially for the rest of their life if God didn't set them free. Which is why I, I so much appreciate what you all are doing, because we've simply got to get people set free from this. Uh, if the church is going to stand and fight. One thing I see and hear all the time from people who come to us is that a lot of churches either avoid the topic of sex and pornography or they barely dabble in it or touch it. And for the most part, people aren't being equipped by their churches in this area. Can you speak to why you think this is? Well, I, part of it is fear, um, because, you know, we don't want to open up a Pandora's box. And a lot of the Church has been conditioned over the last, um, you know, 30-some-odd, 20-some-odd years, 30 years, to be seeker-friendly, to be purpose-driven, to be keep to the schedule. We don't want to get into a lot of heavy subjects. We want to talk about having your best life now. We want to, we want to make sure people are happy, that they're well-fed spiritually, but we're not tackling these issues because once you open and, and they're right, it isn't a sense of Pandora's box because once you touch this issue, it's so hidden that the enemy is going to do everything he can to keep it buried. And the reality is, is that there are such a large number of pastors, and I don't say this in any sense of condemnation. You know, I've, I've, God has delivered me from so much; I have no right to say anything to anyone in condemnation. But I know that there are a significant amount of pastors who are bound by this. I just had heard just recently about, maybe it's been a couple of years, about a large pastoral conference in Dallas where the the pornography that was, their, their percentage of the programs that were turned on by the pastoral people in the, in the hotel was through the roof. Mm. If we are not dealing with it at a pastoral, personal level, we don't have the, the power or the authority to help our people get through it. We have to, it has to start from the, the top down. And I think we don't face it a lot of times because we're afraid of the stuff that we have not ourselves deal with. That's just my own thought on that. Mm. Well, I've often wondered if there's some level of a spiritual stronghold at the top. And I, I go back to every once in a while the the answer Paul gave is the why in First Corinthians 5. He said, uh, basically, he's jumping all over the Corinthians church about the one guy caught having an affair with his father's wife, and he gave the reason why is because you're arrogant and you haven't mourned. Yes. Yeah, well, that, there is that, too, and we are not touching on some of these things. You know, I, I realized with the Harry Potter thing, when we touched on that, uh, in the church I was going to at the time, the pastor just mentioned something small about it, and he was eviscerated by people in the congregation uh, because they don't want you to deal with it. You know, we used to have an expression in the in the in the East Texas, which is, "Well, preacher, now you've quit preaching and gone to meddling." You know, and it's like people are okay as long as you stay on a certain level, but pastors have a kind of a fear sometimes that if, if they start to really get in people's faces and say, look, this is intolerable, believers need to get right with God on this, they'll lose their congregation, or at least a significant amount. Now, is it too late to, you know, shut the barn door after the cows got out? 
Well, that's the problem, because once pastors start to take a, dis- a definitive stand on some of these issues, they will lose people. They will lose tithers. They will lose support. But we have to be a church with a spine, because if we don't have that, Mike, we will lose the next generation, because the fact is our youth are more inundated by this stuff than we can possibly imagine. And I get this all the time. I hear people say, well, you know, kids just need, let's just give them some, you know, a little worship, get some games. We don't want it to be too heavy. We'll give them a little Jesus snack at the end. Well, that's why we're losing a generation, because they're being slaughtered spiritually. They're being completely bound in dark chains. And what do we have to give them? How do we fight that? We don't have the tools yet, but we need to get them really quick. A while ago, I flipped through Netflix a little bit, and I was shocked at how many movies are on there with occultic themes. And I have to believe there are a lot of Christians who are watching that stuff at home and getting exposed to it. So what kind of effect do you think that has on the home when people are immersing themselves in this junk? Well, when you, from my perspective, principle number one in spiritual warfare for me is if you call them, they will come. So if you are deliberately touching on an element of darkness that you know is dark, it automatically brings a bondage of demonic force. I'm not saying people get possessed. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that it's a chain that comes from the powers of darkness because we willingly assented to that darkness. And here's the the thing that I tell people. I said, you cannot fight the devil when you've got his toys in your back pocket. And so when, again, this is not about condemnation, I need believers, if they're struggling, to get angry enough to say, okay, that's enough, I'm done. Because if if, as a person in the household, it affects everybody in your family. And the things that are on Netflix now, are they are beyond Antichrist. Someone just told me about a series that's not on, I think it's on one of the Amazon or one of the other uh, channels, is it is about superheroes, and it is blasphemy against God in the rawest form. It is sexualized blasphemy against God. And if believers, God needs to give a, because if you've been touched by pornography, there's part of you that's been so weakened that you just fall into the trap. And so my prayer for pastors and Christian men, or even women now that are being caught in these bondages, is that God gives them the supernatural spine that the minute they see it, they just verbally say, shut it off. Just shut it down. I'm not looking at this. Mm. Because if we don't do that, you know, it's just past the two or three second mark, and then the bondage comes back. Mm. Yeah, I sometimes wonder how the glut of entertainment is rotting people spiritually. <laughs> it's it's beyond the pale. Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't watch these things, but I get enough information on them uh, to get the content, and I'm seeing things now that, there's a new uh, program on there, Devil May Care, that it's just blasphemy. It's a cartoon. There are things that are on some of the networks uh, for adult cartoons that are pretty much child pornography, and they're getting away with it. And so that's the one thing. Every every society, every culture that's in a decline against God before its complete annihilation comes to that point where, and this is the last taboo, is pedophilia. Mm. And those walls are falling very fast. And I'm seeing a lot of the support for pedophilia now coming from 
a younger generation of people. And that's terrifying. Mm. <clears throat> so let's, Greg, talk to the listeners and in the, uh, the climate we're in where so much, the enemy has taken so much ground. Tell them what they need to know about spiritual warfare and the spiritual battle. Well, the first thing is, and the scriptures are, are I, I was reading this just a minute ago, Ephesians 5, 14, wherefore he says, Awake you that sleep, and arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. And then it goes on to say, redeeming the time because the days are evil. If you're turning on the news, folks, you see where everything's headed. And as a believer, we individually and as a church, we have one or two choices. We can circle the wagons and hope it all goes away, or we can get out there and fight to bring people to Jesus, because that is the only answer to reversing this spiritual warfare holocaust that is not just affecting and destroying the world, but it's eating at the very fabric of the Church. So that's where we need to really take a stand and say, you know what, I may not be able to do much, but I'm going to commit myself, body, soul, spirit, to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, whatever you want to do with me to fight this battle against the wickedness that is not just taking the world, but it wants my kids. And I'm not going to allow that to happen. And to make a definitive point where you sit down and you even write a contract to God and say, this is all yours from this point on, and whatever you want me to do, however you want to use me to fight, then I'm signing on, just kind of like World War II. Mm. whole generation of young men and women went and signed at 16, 17 years old, said, we want to be in this war. It's important enough that we're willing to give it all. That's the heart that we need to have as believers. And then when, when the in individual believer is walking out in this world and he gets attacked by the enemy with doubt, fear, anger, whatever, lust, temptations, how does he resist? How does he stand firm? What does that look like? Well, it has to do with, again, Ephesians taking on the whole armor of God. Uh, I mean, people think it's a nice analogy, but it's much more than that. Paul took the whole uh, structure of spiritual warfare from that armor, which he took from the Roman army. And when you understand the elements of it, you realize he has given you battle instructions to protect your feet, which is where you go, protect your head with the Word of God, which is where you're going to get attacked with your thought life, protect your heart, which is where Satan's going to try to injure your heart through other people, mm. or in any way he can, and having the power of God that comes from having the belt of truth. And that truth is knowing what the Word of God says versus whatever your emotions say, or the enemy says, or the world says. And then the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith it's equipment to fight the battle, and I think any believer, if they can just read that and understand that, I think they can get some some victory. And uh, I'll just throw this in, you know, if uh, there's any point to, uh, any way to get people to contact me, if anyone un wants to understand the battle for the mind, I will be able, I'm going to try to be able to send them a booklet that just covers those elements free of charge. If anybody is fighting a battle, would love to get that to you. Mm. And the helmet of salvation, and doesn't our authority in Christ come along with that, too? Yes, it does, and that's so crucial, because we, we're, we're the Church, and believers in a lot of ways, and we've all been there, we're like 
the, the kid that gets bullied, you know, down at the beach, and the bully kicks sand in our face, and we just sit there and take it. Well, that's that's the battle, and until we understand, we don't have to take it, because Jesus said, all authority has been given to me by the Father, and now I give that to you. So we can stand up and say, I'm not tolerating this attack from the enemy. I have the authority of Jesus Christ, and that authority is that even a child who wields the name of Jesus in authority can make a thousand demons flee. Mm. Yeah, I heard one pastor say a while back that, um, quote-unquote, he does. They, believers don't have authority over the enemy, so what he does is, uh, you know, when I think it was in the book of Jude where... Michael the angel was arguing with one of the Satan about Moses' body, and he said, "The Lord rebuke you." That was kind I've, of his way to approach it. I've heard that, and that's it's partially biblical because what Jude was uh, really addressing is not to mock the devil, which we should never do, but it's very clear that using the name of Jesus not as a magical word or anything. It's just like if you're a believer and you have. Jesus' authority, you go into a situation just like a law enforcement person would and say, stop in the name of the law. And because you are there and you have the badge, the gun, everything, you represent the law. And so it's the same thing when you wield the name of Jesus. It's not just using a word and it's not just punting, you know, and saying the Lord rebuke you, but you're in, you're part of the battle. God has designed you to be part of the battle. So the enemy will listen to you using that authority, the authority coming through a believer in Jesus Christ is going to have a great effect in this battle. Well, I, I go back to Ephesians 2, where he says we're seated with Christ in the heavenly places, far above all authority and power. So in my own life, I'll sometimes say something like, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to stop your works against me and to go where Jesus would send you to go, or something like that. Absolutely. And 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 the amazing thing, because honestly, the first time when I came out of the occult, I got attacked almost within weeks of getting out of the occult by what had formerly been my spirit guides. All of a sudden, I'm being attacked in the middle of the night by visible demonic forces. Mm. And I was terrified. And then I called a friend of mine who was a believer, and I was scared to death, and I told him, and he just laughed. And he said, you know what? You've got the power of Jesus Christ on your side. Next time this thing shows up, just point right at it and say, and demand that it leave in the name of Jesus. And I did, and it did. I thought, wow, I don't. I'm not on the run. We're not on the defensive. We should not be on the defensive. The church is an offensive spiritual weapon against what the enemy is trying to do in this world, and we have to take the battle. Like Jesus said, it said that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Well, the church needs to stop hiding, and we need to take the battle to the gates of hell if we're going to win people to Christ, and we need to do it without fear. Well, when you say the words stop hiding, what comes to my mind is stop hiding from topics like spiritual warfare because it's demons or or the fact that the occult has taken widespread um, influence all over a country or pornography or sex or all that stuff. Is that kind of what you're meaning? That's exactly what I'm meaning, because the, the enemy is coming to the gates of the Church, and and because we are not being proactive in teaching 
the church is supposed to, we're worried about the church being relevant. I hear this all the time. Well, we want to be a relevant church. Well, that means, that's not about how you dress or cool sneakers or how you communicate or whether you have the cool glasses or the, you know, the laptop. This is about relevant means you're willing to address the, the things of this age that we're fighting with the gospel of truth. Truth is the only weapon against the darkness, but truth is a light that exposes the darkness. But unless you point to the darkness and point the truth to it, it will remain hidden. And what remains hidden grows in the dark like cancer, and we can't allow it. We have to speak truth to these dark things and address them and stop being afraid of them as believers. Mm. Talk about fear and how the enemy uses that against the believer. Well, I think most Christians are so, uh, and it happens on any level. We could talk about the pandemic, uh, where, you know, there's different subjects, I mean, different levels of that. But the fact is, is even when this goes away, I think most people will still be wearing masks. (laughs) Because it has nothing to do with the pandemic, it has to do with fear of death. And that's that's the point at which we would be, should be able to talk to unbelievers about that, because that's the real problem, the fear of death. And we've overcome that as believers. Yeah, we still have moments, of course, but Jesus said we've already passed from death to life. So we have the advantage of being able to speak to the truth in the situation of fear. And in our own life, we all have fears. And instead of feeling guilty, even David said this. David said, when I'm afraid, not if I'm afraid, but when I'm afraid, I will trust in the Lord. So we deal, we face our fears, whether they're of the demonic world or illness or whatever, and we say, God, I'm afraid of this, but you know what, Lord, I'm going to trust in you and ask for your spiritual bravery to not be afraid, because David said, when I'm afraid, I'm going to trust in you. And perfect love casts out all fear. So we need just a heap of God's love being poured on us, and it's going to dispel any fear that believers have. Mm. Talk about prayer. I'm just going to leave it open-ended. <laughs> prayer is a, a a weapon of warfare as well. Um, and I think as believers, you know, there's excesses on both sides. There's people who believe they can just pray a prayer and God will immediately do what they ask God to do. Uh, there's on the other side, it's like our prayers are more like, I hope God does this. I think we need to pray according to Scripture um, and and take that seriously. So, But prayer is communication with God, and it needs to start there. Uh, Paul said it talked about praying unceasingly. How do you do that? Well, I've made Jesus Christ my best friend. We talk all the time. When I get off the phone with you, I'm going to be talking to Jesus. That's prayer. It's a relationship, and when it starts in a relationship, then there becomes an intimacy where God can tap on your heart and say, I need you to pray for this person, they're in trouble, or I need I need you to start praying. for." And so we start to pray for individual things as God gives us that capacity and that knowledge that people need it. And we should be a people that put prayer as an absolute priority in our lives. So, Greg, we got a minute left. Why do you think prayer, the prayer meeting, has been removed from most churches? I think the prayer, because uh, we want people are they don't want to be bothered by another night of the week, um, you know, that they're just not interested in, and they have never experienced what it's like to be among believers where people are actually praying with 
fervor where they're praying with a heart that's crying out for God to move. And prayer meetings, if we made a decision, and pastors made a decision to open up a night to invite people to pray, and became the example of getting down on their knees before God and crying out to God for real, true revival, for real, true change, uh, that could change everything. But we need to be willing to do that, regardless of how many show up. It needs to start somewhere. Mm. Well, from my perspective... Um Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name, what pray? We'll hear from heaven. Yeah, pray. <laughs> they pray. Seek my face. Not even teach sermons or rock out the worship band. If they just pray and humble themselves and confess their sins, I'll change this land. So that's it. That's it right there. Greg, it's been great. Thank you for being with us these last two shows. If you missed the first show, Greg showed um, shared his story. So I'd encourage you to listen to it online. And thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Do you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144.